What does true Christianity look like in today's world? What does it look like to walk as the light in such a dark place? What problems are Christians facing today, both inside and outside the church? Welcome to the podcast that will explore all this and more. Welcome to Heavy is the Crown Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Heavy is the Crown Podcast. My name is Mark, and my co-host is Jose. Say hello, Jose. What happening, people? What's happening? That's it. It's been a little bit again. We're uh, trying to knock some of these out, but these uh, schedules can be tough sometimes, man, in two different time zones. And some of us take notes. Some of us can just wing it. (laughs) (laughs) Some of us in this podcast are good enough to just wing it, and some of us have to take notes. (laughs) So, But we're back. We're back, man. It's good to yes, be back sir. with you. Good to be back, brother. Good to be back. Yeah. I've been hearing some people that uh, listen to our podcast, been jonesing for one of our podcasts. They're waiting. They're like, man, what are you guys doing? What is happening? One of my brothers. Yeah. One of my brothers hit me up. He's, he said, hey, bro. Uh, real serious, too. He was, hey, bro. Uh, so, so I got to ask you. And I was like, oh, what I do? <laughs> and he goes, When's the next episode coming out, bro? Because that's my morning. That's my morning. Uh, that's my morning, my morning routine. There, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the jam on the way to work. Mm-hmm. He goes, man. I, I even started listening to the old ones again. He said, right now I'm listening to Unusable, and I was like, yeah, we're, we're working on it, brother. We're working on it. So. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna knock it out. We're gonna knock it out today. We've got a good, good one today. Today is gonna be. It's not gonna be short. <laughs> no, I know that much. But, My uh, wife asked me, she goes, so what do you guys think? Are you going to be like an hour-ish? Uh, <laughs> ish. We're going to add the ish to that. So today's episode is titled Truth Matters, Standing on the Word in a World of Compromise. We are going to go over a lot of things in here today that we see going on in the body of Christ and that people are uh, are dealing with in a very real way. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to do some real talk. And, uh, yeah, we're going to see if we can't dive into this a little bit, tear it up and, and see what we can do to help each other with, uh, being in the world and being a Christian. So it's going to be good. Yes, sir. It's going to be good, but we're going to pray first. So, uh, if you're listening in your car, you don't have to close your eyes. I would prefer you didn't just go ahead. Please don't (laughs) keep your hands at 10 and two, (laughs) slow down your speed a little bit. We're going to pray real quick, and then right after that, we're going to jump right into it. I'll pray. Is that good, Jose? Yes, sir. All right. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for my co-host. Thank you for all of our listeners. Father, most of all, um, we're just thankful for your son, for your son Jesus, for, for his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Father, today, we just want it to be about you. We want your message to go forth. You know, we have, uh, we've taken some notes here, and we've we've prayed, and we've We've gotten into the book, and and but we just want what you want to come out. That's what we want. Um, we want people to be uh, to be educated. We want people to be fired up to get into their Bible and to love the Word and and uh, and to be good Christians and to learn how to navigate this as we go through this world. So, uh, Father, we just ask uh, for your blessing. We ask that you uh, 
continue to watch over us as we go about our, our daily lives and help us to continue to make these shows for people to help others and to, uh, to bring the truth. We're very thankful for you and all that you do in our lives, Father. Thank you very much. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Yes, sir. All right. So truth matters, standing on the word in a world of compromise. Man, we do live in a world that is full of compromise. Um, so yes. we, we have a lot of different points to kind of cover here. Um, one of the first things I always like to do is kind of throw out a definition or two of, of what you're going to hear in this podcast. So there's, you know, you'll kind of know what we're talking about. And when we say compromise, we're the definition of compromise is an agreement or a settlement of a dispute that is reached by each side making concessions or to accept standards that are lower than what is desirable. Mm -hmm. So we, we don't, there are some things and we're going to talk about that. There are some things that in the body of Christ, as you're talking to other believers and things like that, that you can compromise on. Um, um, Pastor Murray Kimball over at Trinity Baptist Church in, in Longview, uh, right over there in Lakeport, Texas, is a good friend of mine. And we were talking about this earlier. And he says, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about the color of carpet that's in the church or how you're going to do this or how you're going to do that. He says, but when you start getting to, you know, biblical principles like the Trinity and things like that, these are, there are places that you can compromise with each other to, for the sake of getting along on secondary type things yes, on, sir. on the primary things. We cannot uh, compromise on those. And I asked Murray to uh, look at our title of our, of our podcast here and to shoot me some, some quotes or some things, and I'll be throwing those in periodically during here. He sent me over some that are that are pretty good. Nice. What what he thinks about it, and actually his his sermon tomorrow kind of has something to do with what we're talking about. So um, it actually came at a really good time for him. He had he had a few things to say. So um, my video yesterday is right in line with everything too. So nice. Yeah. So the, yeah. I think the. Uh, there's a theme going on, bro. There's definitely a theme going on. Right. Read that. Read that. The second part of that definition again. Yeah. Compromise. Uh, where we accept standards that are lower than what is desirable. Mm hmm. There's 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 way too much of that going on today, bro. Right. Right. You know, I'm, I'm all for unity. And but like you said, you know, we we can compromise on secondary issues. Yeah. But there's things we have absolutely no business being united with. Yeah. And it's and it's going to be a little bit different when you're uh, talking about compromising like within the body of Christ, you know, in your daily, everything that you're doing with the church and everything versus compromise with non-believers and the world. Yep. So we're going to see that those are those are different. So there's obviously there's a big difference between you know, compromise on non-essential things where we address principles of, of conscious and things like that. Uh, like you would see in Romans 14, I was looking through the Bible and looking at some of that. And, um, chapter 14 right. is titled principles of conscience. And it talks about, about that. Um, but it's where we attempt to strike an understanding on common ground within the church. So we don't cause each other to stumble and, and, uh, you know, all these little things in churches tend to cause 
a big uproar right. if you don't kind of, you know, work with each other and, and take care of that right at the beginning. But um, compromise on the very nature of the gospel, what we see talked about in the word, that's just, that's not acceptable. We can't, we can't ever compromise on the truths of scripture to uh, satisfy the discontent of the world. So right. that's, that's really a, a big thing, just like you were saying. So um, I have a lot Dude, of, I have a, go ahead. Yeah. I have a lot of different notes here. We're just going to kind of bounce around a little bit, but go right ahead. There's a, a quote from JC Ryle and it says, Never let us be guilty of sacrificing any portion of truth on the altar of peace. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's, there's a love that God loves and there's a love that God hates. You know what I mean? And I was listening to John MacArthur earlier, Steve Lawson, actually. And uh, we're not called to love like the world loves. You know, and I think we... <clears throat> You know, I talked about this yesterday, you know, when Jesus was asked, what are the two greatest commandments? You know, he said, love God first and love your neighbor. And I, I believe he, you know, with the obvious reason of, you know, keeping us from idolatry, there's a reason God is first, you know, being God and all. But I believe that in order for us to properly love our neighbor, we have to love God first. Yeah, we have to love God properly, and only then can we love our neighbor in a biblical way, the way we're called to. Not, yeah. I mean, as how are the you world gonna, would have us. How are you going to love your neighbor if you don't know the word? <laughs> if you don't know, that's what the word does. The word describes that to you. The word tells you what love for your neighbor looks like. It tells you what a Christian is going to look like. But if you don't read that word, and we're going to talk about that today too, um, not loving the word and not not studying the word and that being a a way that that leads to compromise if you're not into that you're you're just you're not going to understand those principles right this reminds me of uh i was asked to prepare a a study or lesson for the men of our church in bible study and uh you know it goes right in, right in line with what you were saying right now I said, we could, if someone said something about your football team and said that it wasn't great, you'd give them countless reasons why it was, you know, with percent, you know, receiving percentages, win-loss record. Uh, you can go back 10 years and say, hey, you know, this year we won this, this year this was our record, we won the Super Bowl this year. Same thing goes with uh, guns. Yeah. When, you know, in this country when – the thought of people infringing on our rights to bear arms was brought up. Everybody made it a point to read up on the Second Amendment, to to remember, to learn that. So in case their rights were ever infringed upon, they could support their right, defend their rights. And I asked them, I asked them, I said, why I said, why can't we do that with our faith? Why can't we do that with the word of God? Absolutely. And, 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 you know, we everybody just kind of sat there quietly. And I told them, I said, the answer for that is one word, passion. Yeah. What We're the, not passionate about these things. Right. We're more passionate about other things than we are about Scripture, about our faith. Well, and, and, we, sad. and you know, we always bring this up, and people don't like it when you do, but the 
what you're saying is absolutely true. I mean, how many people do we see during ball season or football season or whatever, where they give up every weekend for months on end and they're gone and they're traveling and they're doing all these things. They're working all week long. You know, at, at what point do they have time for the word? At what point do they have time to, um, you know, spend with the body? And and that's not saying that there aren't people that go out and can share the gospel when they're, while they're doing that. But I've been in that, yeah. I've been in that baseball thing before <laughs> with my girls when they were growing up. And I can tell you that every time we went out of town and every game we went to and all that, there wasn't anybody talking about Christ. They weren't, no. they weren't doing any of that. It was all about, baseball. We're not, you know, and we're not saying you can't have hobbies. No, absolutely. You know what I mean? don't, don't misunderstand what we're saying, but I'm just, just using it as an example to show that, Right. People are willing to sacrifice what little free time they have to do all these other things, to go to the lake, to go to the baseball game, to do the football, yep. to, you know, to go shoot your guns, to, you know, spend time to set up your deer stand, to do all these different things. But there's no balance when it comes to the word. We don't, we don't make that kind of time for, for God and for the word uh, many times. And that's what we're trying to draw attention to. We're not, trying to point the finger and say we're better than anybody else but it is it's important for people to to realize that because they can get so wrapped up in that stuff they don't look at it like that yeah aw tozer said it's time for us to rise up get out of the rut and routine and begin to take our christian faith seriously Mm. um pastor murray gave me a, a quote here that he had heard somebody say talking about uh, convictions and compromise and stuff. And he said, I heard someone say that as a true born-again believer, we must develop the ability to compromise on our preferences while never sacrificing our convictions. Ooh, amen. So, you know, he says the things we know to be true in Scripture, we can never compromise on that. So, you know, we you know we have to be able to to find compromise because— in the human race here, even in the body of Christ, even though we're all supposed to be on the same team, you find out a lot of times people have different interests. They have different ways that they look at things. They have different ways that they spend their time. Some may be spending a lot of time in the word and some may not be spending hardly any time in the word. So everybody's going to look at it different. We're going to have to figure out a way to get along within the body of Christ. But that doesn't mean that we, we stop, talking about the truth. That doesn't mean that we don't talk about the hard things and we don't, we don't, um, confront each other about these things because I don't, if my brother or my sister is having a problem in that area and they need to be encouraged, I need to encourage them, but I need to do it with the truth. Even if it, if it stings a little, if they need to be admonished they need to be admonished. Yeah. So, Oh yeah. So yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I've got several different, points here that um, can cause us to compromise the truth and they have a lot of sub points. So I just figure I'll talk about these and we'll just kind of dive in and talk about some. And I know you have some points, I'm sure in here at some point you'll find a way to work those in. So um, they don't call me Segway Jose for nothing. Segway Jose. <laughs> you heard it here first folks. <laughs> so um, let me read a couple other things that I took some notes on that while I was thinking about this, um, 
Most often we see compromise in the church being used in order for people to accommodate their own ideas, which it turns out are likely the ideas of the world. Compromise in the name of inclusion. In a world where many are deconstructing themselves, we cannot and should not reconstruct the message of the Bible to match those values or the liking of the world. The truth provides stability and allows us to have a plumb line to measure things against. Compromise puts us on the fence many times and does not allow our yes to be our yes. Uh, Elijah attested to that in 1 Kings 18.21 where he said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. The vast majority of the time, compromise is like sin. It'll take you where you don't want to go, and it'll do as much damage as possible on the way there. Um, A lot of you, I mentioned deconstruction in there. Um, There's a lot Mm -hmm. going on right now in the body of Christ and the people that claim to be in the body of Christ. When they talk about deconstruction, in case you're not familiar with that, Uh, They might call it faith deconstruction or evangelical deconstruction. But this is where people are unpacking and rethinking their whole belief system. And oftentimes, the majority of the time, it leads to the dropping of one's faith altogether or it ends up leading the person to something like progressive Christianity. Which is no Christianity at all. (laughs) Right. And so (laughs) that's we're talking about compromise there. When you start... When you start getting outside of the Word of God and and wondering if it's really and truthfully every bit of it is for us as Christians today, and you know, you when you start questioning and doing those things and deconstructing what you think about, you inevitably start listening to other people mm-hmm. that are in that realm. Um, I'll give you a good example. Let's just talk about one of these points I've got on here right now. Um, Compromise will often lead others to teach that we can compromise what we see in the Word. A great example of that is, I think it was yesterday or day before, um, Jeff Durbin and Dr. James White from Apologia Church did a show with an LGBTQ theologian and a progressive Christianity minister and activist. His name is Brandon Robertson. If you haven't heard of him and you don't know who he is, that's good. Good for you. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Um, Brandon has a lot of, you know, ideas in his head of what he thinks the Bible means. And Mm -hmm. he is, he is leading many, many people astray right now. He's a very popular LGBTQ uh, minister, but the thing that's kind of dangerous about him is that he's very smart. Okay. He's, I think he went to uh Moody Bible Institute. Um, I don't know if he left there and went somewhere else, but he's, he's got an education um, with, you know, biblical things. He knows his way around the Bible. He knows his way around enough to where every questions that that's asked of him He's able to come up with some answer that's not just a a general, I really don't know what I'm talking about, stupid answer. He really tries to apply his progressive logic, and he twists the scripture 
that he feels like he wants to use for that to make it sound like it's plausible. So for people like Jeff Durbin, James White, other people that know what the word says, they know immediately that that's a problem. Okay. That that's a red flag. This is why we don't believe that. And they're able to question him and call him on some things. But for people that sit under his teaching that don't know and don't read the Bible for themselves, that's where false teaching comes in. That's where it's really, really uh, dangerous for that. Um, And what makes compromise like that so dangerous in the body of Christ is the way that it presents itself. A lot of times, if you don't read the Bible, it's going to be real subtle. Even if you read the Bible some, that's how compromise gets in. It doesn't look dangerous. It's just a subtle change. They make it like it's no big deal. And that's kind of what Brandon does with a lot of his theology and a lot of things that he talks about in the Bible. He'll, mm-hmm. He just rejects, outright rejects some scriptures. Other scriptures he accepts, but he twists. So right. if you get a chance and you want to understand how something like that works and what that looks like, you can go and look up, um, you know, Apologia Church. Look them up on Facebook, and you'll see it. It's it was recent. It was done a couple of days ago. But what do you what do you think about that, Jose? Let's. I mean, I just talked about a lot of different things. How easy it is for compromise to get in, and and these people that are misusing the uh, the scripture and false teachings. But all of that can can lead to us getting away from the truth and us compromising the truth. Hmm. I read something the other day, and it said, Satan's greatest weapon is man's ignorance of the Word of God. And, and, and you, just, you just have to think back, all the way back to the garden. And Satan, you know, when, when he was talking to Eve, he said, did God really say this? And all it took was just having them question what God had actually said. And it led to, it's, it, it was all downhill from there. Right. But uh, R.C. Sproul said, when there's something in the word of God, and this is going to the whole deconstruction and progressive Christianity, when there's something in the word of God that I don't like, the problem is not with the word of God, it's with me. Right. And, you know, this brings up, uh, we talked about this, I think it was our last episode, over overly spiritual stuff. Mm-hmm. And it brings, it, it reminds me of this. This is, this will be one of the very few far and in between rare occasions that you'll hear me quote Bill Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, many people fall short of a divine encounter because they're satisfied with good theology. Hmm. And somebody will say, exactly. Amen. I don't know. I don't see why being satisfied with good theology is a problem. Right. Right. You know, to me, all that says is, well, you know, if, if all you care about is sticking to what the Bible says, then you're going to miss out on so much. The fact that, you know, that's how you end up with what we call left field theology. Right. You begin to stray from the word of God. You know, I wrote something the other day and I said, we don't, we don't start to deviate 
from biblical truths and principles in leaps and bounds. It always starts with just a little bit of compromise. Right. You know, and, and, and I like to use the, uh, you were talking about how subtle it is. I, I'm in construction. You know, a lot of things, one of the things we do is, you know, I lay a lot of flooring. So when, when, when a room isn't square, it, it's only off by, you know, quarter inch. Mm-hmm. That's not a whole lot. But when you take that quarter inch and you run with it 30 feet down the, you know, down the, down the line, now you're talking five, six inches. Yeah. And that, and that's how it is with the, you were talking about right now, a little bit of compromise. It's just, it's very, very subtle. So you don't notice it. And then before you know it, you're way out there in left field, have no idea how you got there. Yeah. And at that point, when you stray from what the Bible says, everything sounds good. Absolutely. As long as it sounds a little spiritual, as long as you sprinkle a little bit of Christianese and Christian jargon in there, yeah, people won't know the difference. That that's... and 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 that goes back to the whole. Jesus said, "Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled." Scripture says. God is a rewarder of those who seek him and seek him diligently. Yeah. But but we unfortunately we we're in a time where people don't seek. It's like it's it's more like hey, you seek and then tell me what you find. Yeah. Because I I, I don't want to seek. So and then you have something like, you know, forgive me if this offends anybody, but you have something as ridiculous as an LGBTQ theologian and minister, as if that's even a thing. I mean, I, I, and that's I don't, not even a thing. I, I, I don't I, understand I don't, that. I don't get that either. I mean, and since you brought that up, I mean, I've had a lot of people that have kind of uh, not really come down on me, but you know, I did talk a little bit about the Asbury revival and what I was seeing. Now, did I go? No. But there was a lot of video that came out from there. And there were a lot, I mean, a lot of red flags of things that were going on there with the new apostolic reformation coming in and, you know, false teachers going to it. And now, granted, they didn't get to speak, but the the gospel really wasn't preached that much at this revival. And what we saw was a bunch of emotionalism. We saw a bunch of NAR type teachings mm-hmm. and things going on. I'm not saying that the whole thing was a sham and that nobody got anything out of it. Nobody was saved or nobody's life was changed because I'm sure there was. But I mean, nobody wants to talk about the facts of things that happened there. Like nobody wants to talk about the fact that LGBTQ or, or gay people were leading the worship for much of that. And we're speaking at much of this revival, quote unquote revival. Right. I just don't, that goes along with what Brandon Robertson says. He thinks that he promotes and thinks that it's okay to have those type of relationships, even though the Bible talks against it, he finds a way to twist that scripture and make those people think that that's okay. And actually encourages that. Right. And, I don't I don't think that God would be condoning that. If that was actually a move of God, okay, and it was of God, I don't think we would be seeing 
those type of people leading that type of of worship because they're they're outright living that life. It's on their social media. You know, there's pictures of their social media and what they said. They're they're proud of that type of life and that they're living that life. Um, that they have those type of thoughts. So how are we having a revival if you have those type of people leading that? And right. that's the face you know of it. So that's kind of some things that that uh, can lead you um, astray like that and can lead you into compromise. Those people are compromised. I don't understand how somebody who's openly gay and LGBTQ is even going to seminary to get a degree. How does, that, how does that even work? I, I don't know. It's a, you know, and compromise before, before <laughs> people misunderstand what we're saying. Yeah. We're not saying, you know, the prayer for every genuine Christian is that it absolutely was a move of God and people came to salvation. Right. You know what I mean? Um, we say things like, how can you be openly gay? I, I've, I know this one dude. He is, he is a born again Christian. Recognizes that his that lifestyle that he was delivered from was was sinful and displeasing to God. He still struggles with that attraction. But he'll be the first one to tell you it's wrong. Right. You know, he's he's celibate. It's, he said it's wrong. And I'm I'm glad to be have been delivered from that. Um and I want to read something from Josh Bu- Busey, is that how you say his last name? Uh, Josh? I think so. Busey? Busey? Yeah. He says, Dear Christian, your biblically rooted convictions will divide you from the world. You'll be called a bigot, a hater, and all sorts of names for following Jesus. Your friends and family will hate you for standing firm. Stand firm. And so, you know, we don't want anybody to think that there there are pastors out there, preachers that believe and, and teach that members of the LGBTQ community are not, that Jesus cannot reach them. That's not what we're saying at all. Right. But it's it is a lifestyle that is contrary to the word of God. Absolutely. So it revival begins in the heart of man. It begins with a brokenness over their own sin and repentance. Right. If there is no repentance there, and people say, you know, people are the overly spiritual. The, the the NAR people are quick to say, how can you try and put God in a box? And that's not what we're doing. But God does have a standard. Right. And that's, God, God that's has the thing. Revealed, right. God has revealed his standard in his inspired word. And if what we see in an event that is called revival does not look like and it's not in line with what Scripture says about people dead in their sin being brought to life and regenerated by the Holy Spirit through brokenness and conviction of sin and repentance, then 
as a Christian, you have every right and obligation to question it. Right. And, I, and I've seen, I have personally seen on an outreach we've been out on where a, a lady that was in the homosexual lifestyle had been for a very long time, uh, responded during our, our outreach, came out of that, started coming to church, and she has been out of that for many years now. She is a full-blown, born-again Christian. She is a, a leader at work, at her job. They constantly ask her to lead prayer uh, things at the safety meetings and all these things. She's, she's made a complete turnaround, so it can be done. But what you were just saying goes exactly with what I just read earlier. Most often we see compromise in the church being used in order for people to accommodate their own ideas, which turns out are the ideas of the world, and compromise in the name of inclusion. And with the LGBTQ community, that's what we see a lot of times with the people that say, don't put God in a box. <laughs> well, we're right. not putting God in a box. We're trying to follow the standard that he's given us in mm -hmm. his word. Um, and yeah, it's it's a slippery slope that when we uh, when we try to deal with these these hot button issues with people, we're definitely not saying that those people can't be saved or that we don't want them to be saved. God can can save anybody he wants to save. Um, but we can't just idly stand by and not say anything about like the the guy Brandon that's the LGBTQ theologian and whatever. I mean, he openly is telling people in his congregation that it's okay to to do these things and he encourages those things. That's what right. happens when you don't say something. <laughs> that's right. how far that's going to go and you're you've already opened the door and it's already got in and now it's taking you somewhere where you don't want to go. It's kind of taken on a life of its own. So mm -hmm. that's the drawback of never saying anything and that's Kind of another thing that, that we dealt with, that you and I dealt with, and that I dealt with when this whole you know, Asbury Revival thing was going on. We saw it all over the place. There was a handful of people saying, let's just sit back and wait. And even if that's all you said, let's sit back and wait and see what the fruit of this is and what really happens. And then that we'll still know. made people angry. <laughs> it still made people angry. It doesn't matter if you're you know, because that doesn't fit with their emotionalism, doesn't fit with how their emotions are right now. And they just want to believe what they want to believe and that there is no discernment and they don't want to wait. They don't want to look at the fruit. They don't, they don't want to do any of those things. If it feels good, how could it not be from God? Yeah, that's, and that's the, you know what I the mean? Consensus, right. I read this, uh, Vody Bauckham said, I will not violate the teaching of the text in order to somehow sound more appropriate for the culture. Right. And we, and we don't, we got, we're in a place where we don't, a lot of Christians don't want to say something because it might be offensive, you know, and I think it was John MacArthur said, my, our intention is to never, is not to purposely offend somebody, but right. if the truth offends and so be it. Then the truth offends. That's the cross. The cross is, the cross uh, is offensive to those who are not being saved. The cross, yes, that's you know, just the way it is. I, I heard it. So I heard it said one time: the cross 
was offensive to me until I came to it. Mm. You yeah. know, and, and it and it it's it's true. The cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. Yeah. The, it, it makes no sense. Let me let me read something else to you that Pastor Murray Kimball told me uh in reference to all this. It kind of fits in here. He said, we have to return to a place in this world where we believe in the true, um, in, in the iner- inerrancy of Scripture, basically. We live in a world where people compromise because they don't believe in a perfect Bible. In order to not compromise when difficult situations come up, we must already be well-versed in Scripture. It's not just something that we do on a whim and expect that in our flesh we're going to make the right choice. The only way that happens is if the truth of the word is prominent in our life and the foundation of all that we do. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's um that's the thing. We have a lot of people that don't have that that foundation. They don't want that foundation. That foundation right. doesn't fit in their view of what they're doing in the, in their life. Um, right. They've got these blinders on the world has got so many things that it's throwing at them to keep them busy and to, uh, to, to keep their attention. And that's what the enemy does. I mean, you know, I have a heading on here talking about social, social media. I mean, social media might be the biggest battleground that we have today because it's the biggest thing that we have today. I mean, right. that's the absolute biggest thing that we have today is social media. Um, you know, you're constantly, that's a battleground. We constantly find ourselves regularly in a debate with non-believers, even if you're not looking to be in a debate or being pressured by people or organizations to relax our standards. Um, many times on social media, this looks pretty tame, but in the end, the damage it causes is immeasurable. Um I mean, how many mm-hmm. times do we see that? How many times are we inundated with ads and, uh, you know, short videos and all these things from, especially from uh, social influencers who have millions and millions of followers and people hang on their every word. I mean, if you've That's got, that, if, yeah, if bro. you've got one of that those. Is so <laughs> da- it's so sad and dangerous to see. Yeah. You know, so-and-so said it and it, I mean, it must be true. Right. They rap. It's a wrap for it, most it, people. It, 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 it most, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, we talked about this too. I think on the last one, it's like everybody has a platform. Yeah. You know, and I wrote something one time and I said, dude, you can, we cannot stand by and say, I didn't ask for this platform. If, if that's what God gave you, you will be held accountable for the things that you're saying. Right. You can, and, and us trying to say, well, I never said for people to look to me. It doesn't matter. Once you realize that they were, it it became a more of a duty and responsibility to study scripture. Yeah. I mean, the word's truth. If you're not studying the word, you're going to be manipulated. You're not going to know the truth. How do you know? How do you know a counterfeit? By knowing the truth. You don't go out and study. 50,000 counterfeits without studying the truth, you have to have a standard to hold those counterfeits up to, to see if it's the truth. So, you know, by not knowing the word or studying the word, it just, I mean, it leaves you spiritually bankrupt, man. Um, You won't know how to evangelize. You won't know, you won't even know what 
what the enemy is capable of against you and what's happening against you. You won't even see it. You won't, you won't even realize that that's, that's the enemy trying to, to sway you and to dissuade you from things. So, you know, that's, I don't know. I think these points that I've got down are kind of a, they're like guideposts. They are, they are a lot of heavy hitters that we are seeing going on in the body of Christ right now. You know, lack of studying the word, lack of love for the word, allowing emotionalism to dictate our views of biblical principles, social media, world standards, false teachers who take advantage of all that. And then this one is one that really is another big problem that we do see right now is the lack of discipleship in the church. Um, And I think that that's because we just have a lack of people truly giving their life to the Lord, um, to really dedicating themselves to live for the Lord and to try and be holy and to, to adhere to the word and read the word and, and to disciple others. We have a bunch of churches that are full of people with zero wisdom or time in the word, but they have a great deal of emotionalism. They have a, they, they have a lot to offer, but what they have to offer is is really not what's needed. Yeah, and that's a two it's a two sided coin, if you will. We we don't have a lot of people in the church that want to disciple other people, and we don't have people in the church that want to be discipled. And why why is it you think that people don't want to disciple other people if they love the Lord and they love the the Word, right? And they're born again. I mean, do you think that just falls back on we're being lazy? We're being lazy. We're being lazy, lazy Christians. Um, and it's not my it's not my job. I'm not a pastor. Right. And yeah, you know what I mean, is it the job so, of the pastor to disciple no. those people? Nope. Or is it the body's job? It's the to, body's to job disciple to people. disciple one another, bro. Absolutely. And it's not. You know, it just it takes. It requires commitment. You know, and I speak from a from a personal. What's the word I'm looking for? I speak from experience because yeah. I used to be this person. You know, dude, I I already go to church on Sunday. What more do you want me to do? You mean I I have to get up and read this thing every day? I have to participate. I have. You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, what if I want to go somewhere? Like. It so not only do I have to give up my Sunday morning, and 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 apparently my my Monday morning and my Tuesday morning, you know yeah. what I mean. When I can be doing all these other things, there's no interest. Yeah, there's no interest, and and this you know this that's why it. I love evangelism, bro. I am. Uh, I'm I'm in. I'm part of men's ministry leadership in our church right and and my department is evangelism i believe in evangelism you know and i I think i've shared this before i i've been invited to by this other brother to go evangelize soul winning he calls it right and it goes back to i can't see people's heart when i share with him yep you know what i mean so i can't i can't ask them yes or no questions and based on their yes answers, look someone in the face and tell them they're saved now. <laughs> See, 
And I, yeah, coming, I, I don't know that, bro. Coming out of the New Apostolic Reformation, which is what I came out of, going and doing evangelizing, soul winning, is the model mm-hmm. that was put forth by um, Rodney Howard Brown. And we had a tract, a two-sided tract that we would read and we would go by. You would read a prayer with people when they were done. And, and you know, you were counting that as someone who was saved. You would have, at the beginning, you would have what's called a soul goal. You would pick a number of souls that you were going to say were going to be saved. You would go out and you would try and reach your soul goal. <laughs> And because it's a because it's a move of man, right? Y- yes. And Lord, you know, mercy. I look back on those days when I did that. And if you're listening to this and you're in the new apostolic reformation, if you know what that is, even if, because you're not going to know it, if you're in it most, a lot of times we didn't realize even what that was until we realized something was not right. And we got out of that church and we came out of it. And then we started actually reading for ourselves and looking at things and listening to some other uh, quality teaching and things like that, we realized, oh man, we were, we were definitely in this. And if you're in this, you know, I'm begging you to listen to this and to, to read the Bible for yourself, because a lot of times in a NAR church, they're not going to encourage you to read the Bible. They're going to read to you what, what cherry picked verses they want you to hear. They're going to, that are going to support their, their message and the way that they want you to see things. I would highly encourage you to listen to other teachers that are solid and reputable. Uh, reach out on my Facebook and you can ask Jose or I, and we will point you in the direction of people that we know are solid and biblical. But that's the kind of thing that people are up against and that we see right now. And it's just like you were saying, I, I can't, I can't tell that person at that door that I just knocked on. Yeah. It's emotional. They're crying. They're, they're convicted of their sin, but after they say a prayer, are they really saved? After I left that door, did their life really change? Did they go right back to what they were doing five minutes later and they forgot about our encounter? I mean, you don't really exactly, bro. You don't you really don't know. know. Um, so but it is our responsibility to tell people about Christ, to share the gospel, and yep. to to evangelize people, even if you know we don't know. And a lot of times you won't see. You're just planting the seed. Somebody else might water it. You 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 may never see that seed grow and come to fruition. That's just kind of the, the way it is. And that's my thing, bro. Like I I will tell you the gospel. I will tell you what scripture says. I will tell you what scripture says you must do in order to be saved. And then I and then you know they'll ask me, well, how do I know if I'm saved? Scripture says it is the Spirit that testifies. The Holy Spirit will tell you that you're saved. I, you know what I mean? I can't. I, yeah, I can't, I'm not Jesus, bro. I can't see your heart. Right. I, don't, I don't know what's. I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know whether. I mean, you ask anybody. Hey, bro, do you want to go to heaven or do you want to burn in hell? Well, uh, <laughs> I want to go to heaven, dude. Right. You know what I mean? Why? Why? Because I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. You know, and and now you're talking about what's your motivation to, you know, I mean, I think everybody's uh, motivation when you say something like that is immediately everybody kind of knows what heaven and hell is, right? You know, one's good, right. one's bad. They obviously don't want the bad. So 
when we talk about that, are we talking about, is that their only motivation? Are they really wanting to get to know the Lord? Are they really sorry for for their sin? Have they been, really been convicted in their heart? Or are they just saying that because they know through talking to people and in their life that hell is probably not someplace I really want to be. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to go with this answer. <laughs> and that's, that's the right. real, the real danger of all of that. Um, it's good to evangelize and talk to people like you said, but, um, it's, it's good for them to, that's where discipleship comes in. You hope that when you talk to them, you invite them to your church. Uh, mm-hmm. they come to your church. They see, how you and other solid Christians are living their life, how you're dealing with problems, how you're doing this. And that's how people see what's going on. And they realize, oh, this is what you do. And this is how this looks. And I think. So that, there is more to it than just coming to church. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, there's yep. a lot more to it. Um, it's everything, dude. <laughs> it's everything that you that you do uh, in your life. So I know you had had some, a couple of points that you had wanted that we talked about earlier that you wanted to make sure you got in here. I just wanted to make sure we, if this is talking about, uh, the love thing, you know what I mean? Jesus calls us to love. Yeah. We heard a lot of that during the Asbury stuff with videos of the people that were proponents Mm -hmm. for, for it being a true revival. Anybody that questioned anything, they were saying, you don't, you're, you're just supposed to love these people. You're not supposed to judge these people. They don't believe in that judgment at all. And, you know, and I think back to, I see my old friends and, you know, every now and then you, it's, it's a picture somebody died, bro. So again, you know, somebody died, uh, somebody's locked up. And when these things happen, then it's the outpouring of love. You know, so-and-so died from cirrhosis of the liver, dead, alcoholism. And it's, you know, you're loved and you'll be missed. It's like, did you, was your way of loving this brother, did you do it? Was your way of loving him, getting him a beer every time he asked you for one? Or, or, or was it, dude, you have to stop this, bro. You have to quit doing drugs you have to quit drowning yourself in alcohol because it's going to cost you your life but the world says buy him a beer bro that's your friend right but what you're talking about is intervention and and people are like where is intervention in the bible well when jesus was at the well and talked to the samaritan woman he was intervening in her life he was talking to her about her life you know you don't have just one husband you have multiple husbands you know, yeah, I, I, mean, I love you enough to try to intervene. Yeah, exactly. If I see you being led astray by false teachers, I love you enough to say that what that is false. Yeah, and and, and we're coming up. We we live in a in a time where God, you know, it, it, it's all about love. And and again, I get it. I understand what people are trying to say. Right. You know this. Uh, a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, probably a month ago now, I made this post about uh, Joel Osteen and T.D. Jakes. And getting into the whole exposing thing is not my thing. There's people who live for that stuff. Every now and then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll speak on something. And, and it was like, a, it had said, the, the false prophet never speaks of the narrow road, the narrow path, right? And P- 
people were Christians, those who professed to follow Christ, the same Christ that spoke about wolves and sheep clothing and spoke about hell and spoke about the narrow path right. and the wide path that leads to destruction. That same Jesus, the people who professed to follow him were quick to say, well, who are you to judge? Me personally, I am nobody. Yep. But the word says that by your fruit, you will know them. How can I sit here in good faith, see that my brother is sitting under false teachings and not say something? You know, right. I, don't, I don't doubt the power of prayer. So don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But how can I just sit back and take the, the, the casual mentality of, well, I'm just going to pray for them. I don't want to say nothing. They might get mad at me. Um, might hurt their feelings. I'm just going to pray for them. How, how, what is, how is that love? How is that genuine love? I have people say, well, you should, you know, are you perfect? No, not perfect. Never said I was. Right. But, you know, to, to sit here and not speak of, not defend your faith, the faith that you claim to have, the faith that you're commanded to contend for, to just sit back and not say nothing, it, it, it blows my mind, bro. Martin Luther said, I am not permitted to let my love be so merciful as to tolerate and endure false doctrine. And John MacArthur said, many Christians are so stuffed with spiritual junk food that they've lost their appetite for sound biblical teaching. Uh, yeah. We just, we, we live in a time where we claim to have faith, claim to follow Christ, and don't really care what scripture says. Well, we live in a time where it's okay if you want to give me encouraging scriptures, but if you're going to give me a scripture where I feel like you're condemning me or you're judging me, even though it's scripture, I don't want that. You're not allowed to do that. You're wrong for, for doing that. But yet, how do you know people by their, you know, people by their fruit? If, if the fruit's bad, if you're saying you're a Christian, but the fruit's bad, I mean, what are you supposed to, what are you supposed to say to that? You're, it is what it is. It's people not wanting to deal with the reality of their situation, that they don't want to uh, face up and have to deal with the fact that they've, they say they've accepted Christ, but really and truthfully, their actions show that more than likely they really haven't. And we don't want right. to see that. We don't want to see that. We want... We want to talk to people and, and say, man, dude, I dealt with that for, for many years. I see you're struggling with that right now. You know, you really need to do this to, this is what helped me, or you really need to do this. And people get very upset about that stuff. Anything that has to do with judging, even though it says in the Bible that we're supposed to, we are to judge within the body. We don't judge, uh, uh, you know, like God would judge people for what they've right. done. We're, we're judging people off based off of the fruit that we're seeing. I mean, how else are you going to know who's, who's real and who's not real, who's struggling and who's not struggling you. That's how you do those things. 
Um, but people don't want anything to do with that. They, they want to admonish you. They want to, they want to hang you on a cross anytime you, you say it. We, yeah, I saw this thing where it was a, it was a picture of Matthew seven, one, and it had everything blacked out except judge not. And it says, and it said at the top of it, it said, this is how most Christians read their Bibles today. Yeah. But you know, we live again, we live in a place where those who even it's one thing for the world to be mad at you for quoting the Bible. There's people that have come out and said, I don't care. It's not my faith. That's not my God. I don't care what the Bible says. And we know they're going to react like that. And we know they're going to react that way. Right. But for those that profess to follow Christ to say, to be so adamantly opposed to what scripture says. Yeah. And to be mad at the individual for, for bringing scripture and saying the Bible says. And that's really where it comes down to it. They get mad at us when we, when you quote scripture and you would think that if you're a true Christian, you would have a love for the word. You would read the word. You I mean, would know bro, that, but you're not humble. Yep. At that point, you're not humble. At that Dude, point, if, uh, you're prideful. Any genuine Christian, yeah. yeah. Any genuine Christian will tell you, if I'm wrong, bro, please bring the word and tell me where I'm wrong. Right. Absolutely. But, but you know, and this is, and the thing that go, kind of goes hand in hand with this is the emotionalism that we talked about. They're off into this emotionalism. And if you try and draw them back out of that and pull them back out of that, that's where they get really offended. It's kind of like uh, when you get a uh, an addict and he's completely doped up and he's he's out cold and a paramedic comes along and pops him with Narcan and brings him out of his his blissful whatever he was in and brings him back <laughs> to the painful world that he was trying to escape. He's not a happy camper with with that paramedic even though that paramedic saved his life and kept him from dying and that's what we see and it goes hand in hand what you're talking about with emotionalism and another thing that goes hand in hand with that is when you start talking about emotionalism and these people getting upset about what you're talking about even though it's the truth that's where you start seeing in their lives a lot of eisegesis rather than exegesis you see them reading their own whatever they want to put X, Y, Z into the word and picking verses that will pick, will, will, uh, will, uh, confirm and go along with what they're doing so they can continue doing it. You'll be surprised how many Christians don't even know what those two words mean, bro. Mm, well, let me hold on. Let me, uh, I have my while you hey, while you look for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to pull it up John. and give them the biblical, the definition while you do that. Go ahead. This John MacArthur quote, it said, in many cases, individual feelings and personal experience have replaced sound biblical interpretation. The question, what does the Bible mean to me, has become more important than what does the Bible mean. That is a frightfully reckless approach to Scripture. Bert Parsons said, you can't have peace in the church without doctrinal purity in the church. True peace comes on account of the truth not through compromise. Absolutely. What? <laughs> I think that was the quote was made for the show. <laughs> yes, sir. So eisegesis and exegesis. Eisegesis being bad, what we don't want. 
exegesis, no bueno. <laughs> exegesis being good in what we do want. So exegesis, the good one, is critical explanation or interpretation of a text, especially of Scripture. Exegesis means you're digging into the into the Bible and you're discovering the real meaning, the true meaning of what the text. The context. Uh, the context. <laughs> and exegesis Ooh, hey. involves involves many different things, knowing who was being talked to, at what point of time were they being talked to, what was the culture of that time. Um, there's many different things that goes into exegesis to exegete scripture for you to be able to do it correctly to get the true meaning of what you're reading. It's not right. just as easy as open your Bible, read Yay, I read the Bible in, you know, six months or whatever. But yeah, what did you get out of it though? <laughs> did you did you I catch, checked the box? <laughs> yeah, I checked the box off. Uh eisegesis, on the other hand, is um hang on, let me pull this up just to make sure I'm reading it correctly. So eisegesis is an interpretation, especially of scripture, that expresses the interpreter's own ideas, bias or the like, rather than the meaning of the text. In other words, eisegesis mm -hmm. means you're reading what you, into the scripture, what you want it to say. You're having preconceived ideas about what this means and what you want it to mean, and you're, you're going to read that right into the text, rather than letting the text speak to you and, and, and speak the truth to you. Right. You know, I... Uh... In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul, when he's talking about the full armor of God, right? I'm going to read from beginning of verse 11. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with the truth. Some translations say the belt of truth. Yeah. And I think it's, it's telling that it's very telling that the first thing that you do is you is you gird yourself with the belt of truth, because if it's not rooted in truth, then there is, then you misunderstand the breastplate of righteousness. If you're not rooted in truth, then you, you shod your feet with something that is not the gospel of Christ. When you're not rooted in truth, then you have no shield of faith because your faith is founded in error. Yeah. When you have, when you're not rooted in truth, then there is no helmet of salvation. When you're rooted in, when you're not rooted in truth, then you don't know how to properly swing the sword of the spirit. Right. When you're not rooted in truth, you built <laughs> your house. You're not rooted in truth. You built your house on the sand rather than the rock. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different ways to say that, and I mean, I, we try to impress upon people the the importance of the truth i mean it's the basis of of everything uh that's reading everything. the bible it, it's everything i mean you everything. you have to be in the word yourself 
you know, yep. you need to get into the word. You need to understand how to how to study the word. I mean, it's if you're if you're if you're loving the word and you're studying the word, you're going to find out just like I did. Like I didn't know how to study the word. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know any of those things. When we came out of the New Apostolic Reformation, we didn't know any of those things because we cherry picked stuff out of the Bible just like they did. And like they taught you to have these things fit their narrative. So it took time. I had to really search for some people that, you know, I looked at online or I talked to other people about that were, you know, steeped in the truth that were constantly talking about the Bible and the truth and, started trying to listen to them and started trying to say, oh, so when I read the Bible, I need to, you know, I never thought about reading the first introductions to these chapters. You know, they put those in there for a reason. Those are in there because they tell you who's being talked to, when they were being talked to about it, what was going on during those times, all these different pieces of information that you need to understand so that when you read it, you know who's being talked to. You, I mean, we've talked about it before. Most people don't understand what prescriptive and descriptive is. There are some things right. in the Bible that were that were a, a description for other people. When we read it, it's a description that that uh, we read about. It's for historical purposes. It shows us yep. what happened, that kind of thing. And it it's not meant for us. It was meant for the Israelites or somebody else. And then there's. Um, uh, prescriptive. There's things that are like a prescription that you're supposed to take that right. that are for us. And there's a lot of people that have no idea what those two words mean, and they yeah. don't understand that when they when they read their Bible. You know, it goes like what you were talking about about your stuff earlier. There's people that want to just believe in love. They only want to. They talk about not putting God in a box, but yet they only want to. Um, attribute this one attribute to God. Mm-hmm. God has many attributes. It's like, you know, I was telling this to this other Bible study group that I, that I do. When you look at the cross, people look at the cross and they say, well, see that right there, that is a picture of the love of God that God has for you. And you're right. I, I agree. The love of God was on display on the cross, right? But every attribute of God is on display in the cross. What about uh, the whole cup of wrath thing? Was that on? That is was what that, was, was that on display on, on the Christ. cross? <laughs> Absolutely. So you know there the is righteousness of God was on display in the cross. Yeah, I mean, there's a simple way of looking at it, and then there's the truth of of yeah. what you need to see when you see the cross. There, you know, it, it's I was having this crazy conversation with some dude one time, and, and he said. Jesus did not satisfy the wrath of God because God wasn't angry. I said, bro, do you know what propitiation means? What? He said God wasn't the, angry? The, the wrath of God, when Jesus was in the garden and he said, if there is any way that this cup can pass me. Yeah, if it can pass from the, me. You know, the, the <laughs> Pass from me, take it from me. Yeah. I don't want this. Uh-huh. That was the wrath of God being poured out on the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Yeah. I don't think substitutionary I don't think Jesus, atonement. Jesus wasn't in the Garden of Gethsemane sweating blood because he was so excited about 
the love that was fixing to be shown on the cross. <laughs> I think in his human right. nature, he was he was nervous. I mean, he I mean absolutely, bro. Absolutely, he knew, he knew what was coming, and yep. yet he went anyway. And I, man, yeah, there's there's so many things that uh, that we you can know, so pe- yeah, people will, will say, well, you know, God is love. You're called to love. Yes, you are right, but I am called to love God first. And I was and having this conversation. It goes back to what Go you said earlier about if you love somebody enough, are you going to let them? I mean, if you see your loved one with a blindfold on and they're walking towards a wood chipper that's going and they're going to fall in and they're going to get chopped up, are you going to let them go? Or are you going to stop them and intervene and say, whoa, 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 take these blinders off. Look where you're at. Let's turn you back around. Let's get back over here. That's that's a good analogy. I mean, people would tell you in a heartbeat, no, there's no way I'd let them go to that. But yet they'll let this person go all day long with the alcohol and with the all these other yep. things and not serving Christ and not even telling them or witnessing to them. Yeah. Sorry, you know, I, I interrupted. I was, I was go having, ahead. No, it's all good. <laughs> I was having this conversation with some dude and it was in a group on Facebook and someone said, why do we have people in here pushing Catholicism? And the dude, the admin's response was, if you're going to be in here talking about those things, all you're doing is causing division in the body of Christ and you will be, you will be removed or you can just leave. And I said, bro, I said, what happened to, uh, I'm pretty sure you're the same person who said that you promote sound biblical doctrine. Mm-hmm. But, we, but we've but we come to a place, we, we've allowed love. First of all, we've added our definition of love. Right. You know what I mean? But it's not loving to tell somebody that their religion is false. I said this yesterday. It's despite what they will tell you, Mormons are not Christians, but it's many Christians will say it's not loving for you to say that. Despite what many people think, Catholicism is not just another denomination of Christianity, but but there are people that will say it's not loving to say so. I said, dude, how can you say how can you see these people you claim to love sit under deception and not only just sit there, but spread it to other people you claim to love and you not say anything because you don't want to cause division. Yes. The apostle Paul, the book of Ephesians chapter four talks about calling everybody to union, to unity. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 3, he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There are things we have no business being united with. Right. There are people that will tell you, well, doctrine just separates. It divides. And you know what? You're absolutely right. It divides truth from error. Right. There, There is error and false doctrine we have no business being united with. And the last thing you should do is just sit back and pray. Right. Yes, pray. 
but pray for the boldness to go and stand and say what you're saying is wrong and does not line up with scripture. Yeah. And I mean, what, what you're talking about right now, what is that? That is compromise. You're that, that you're, is you're compromising with yourself, with your own thoughts. You're, you're saying, man, yeah, I can I probably, but I don't want to do that because if I do that, that's going to cause this problem and it's going to do this or whatever. So you compromise with, with yourself, mm-hmm. you know, that's the worst thing you can do as a Christian, bro. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, and I saved this one for last. It said, <laughs> to pursue union at the expense of truth is treason to the Lord Jesus. So we're just going to stand here and allow poison and false teaching and false doctrine to creep in Yeah, because we don't want to say something. Yeah, it's one thing if you don't. It's one thing if you don't know, but for you to know truth and not stand up for truth to compromise, right? That is one of the worst things you can do, and you will be held accountable for that. Yeah, especially if you're in leadership anywhere. If you're in leader, I don't care what capacity you're in leadership. And you know that there is error and heresy, and you will not stand for the sake of peace, mm-hmm. for the sake of not making waves. You will not stand for biblical truth. You will be held accountable for that. Yeah. I mean, and that's, shame on you. Yeah. Shame on you. That should be the whole fear of God thing right there. You should be thinking about that. You sh- that should, that should scare you. <laughs> that should, yeah. uh, should make you think about what you're doing. And a lot of times, and that's the, that's the other thing about compromise is it, it, it changes how we think about things. Once you've compromised on that, well, now the problem's over. We can move on to something else or whatever. It, it changes the way you think about it. It changes the way you act about things. Once you compromise on one, the likelihood of you compromising on the very next thing that comes along is, is very high. Because you've already done it, and it felt good. And what harm did it do? <laughs> you and, know, it, it, that makes me think of the whole: How do you eat an elephant? Yeah, one bite at a time. Right. It makes me think of when you when you think about these people that compromise that much. Jesus talked about in the Bible: Let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. Where have we gone with that? We've we've become so wishy washy with the way things are in this world with compromise and with social media and all these different things pulling at us and the the world wanting to change us and all these things that from now on, it's like our yes isn't our yes. It's a yes right now, but if there's enough pressure put on me, that could be a no (laughs) or (laughs) vice versa. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, it's sad we've come to that. It makes me think of, uh, what the Apostle Paul says in first chapter of Galatians chapter 10, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. I mean, how do you read that and come up with something that can still allow you to do those things that we're talking about? The fact is, is people will read that and they won't, they won't ever look at it again. 
you know, those people that are wanting to compromise and, and not wanting to, to do those things. They don't like to read those things in the Bible. I personally, I think a lot of people that, that think like that, they'll skip over verses like that. Or yeah. when they read them, they'll be like, whoop, that doesn't apply to me. Or, you know, I mean, that's just how that, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brandon Robertson. That's how he was on that, that YouTube video that I watched yesterday. That's, that's kind of how he was on stuff. He would just flat out tell them they would, they would bring scripture up and say, but, but Brandon, you can't say that because you've already said this and that goes against this. You've said you don't believe in this. So how do you believe in this? And he would just say, well, I just reject that part. I just reject that part. So that's how he thinks. That's how these deconstructed, you know, um, progressive Christianity people think they just, they just reject stuff. It almost reminds me of, uh, I watched a YouTube video of a guy that's was a sovereign citizen. Okay. And he has not paid his rent to these apartment people in six months or something. So they brought him to court and his idea of paying them was when they sent him the bill, he would just write on the bill, his name and his social security number and just say release funds. And he would send it back. Like that was a check to them in his his mind. Truly in his mind, listening to this guy, he felt like he had paid that. Okay. But in reality, he hadn't paid that. He had not done that. And I think that's how a lot of people are. They, with these scriptures and stuff, they just discount it. If it doesn't fit their narrative, they won't go back to that. They won't, or they'll twist it and find some way to make it say something that it doesn't say. Kind of like saying, oh, well, you know, you're not to lay with another man. Oh, well, that wasn't for, that's not for everybody for all time. That was just for the Assyrians and the Egyptians. That was just talking about them. That has nothing to do with us today. But in reality, that's just you rejecting that part of scripture, denying that part of scripture. One of my favorite things that I've heard my pastor say, Pastor Keith, he said, uh, he said, we either believe God is who he says he is and that he will do what he said he'll do, or we don't. Right. And if we don't, then what are we doing here? Absolutely. Uh, to, to, to say that you're a follower of Christ, but reject the word of God is an oxymoron. That well, And that just makes, you know what that makes me think of? That makes me think that you're purposefully being a goat. You're purposefully being someone who is untruthful and is in the body and is going to create division you're you're mm-hmm. the one that the scripture's talking about if you're doing heard, that and and right i heard uh paul washer say he said i don't feel this this part right here was a little maybe a little too much <laughs> but he said i don't feel bad for them hmm. people who sit under false teachers he said they are not victims because they have heaped up for themselves teachers to tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear and what they want to hear and what they seek is not God. And we, and we say just what you said, you really don't like to hear people say stuff like that, but is what he's saying, is it true? It absolutely is true. It's kind of like, um, 
I think I put a post on there on Facebook about Paul Washer on something that he said. And I said, uh, Paul Washer sermons and memes hit just a little bit different. <laughs> and they do because he's, he's very hardcore and down right to the word. And, you know, we need to hear those things, but you know, uh, pastor it's, Murray, uh, go ahead. I know which one it was. Is it people? Yeah. It's a quote from Paul Washington. It says, people say, I praise God for, for he never gave up on me. He yeah. never gave up on you because he never trusted because you. Because he never trusted place. you in the first place. <laughs> that, that was it. Lord have mercy. Yeah. Uh, you know, Murray did have another thing to say that, that I think is definitely true. God does have an expectation of excellence in our life. He he expects us to to read the word. If if we truly love him and we've truly been born again, I think that's, that's what Jesus said. That's an expected thing. And he also that's what Jesus said. Yeah. And Murray also was saying that an, an unfortunate thing that has happened in the westernized church is that emotionalism has become a driving factor in the church. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people don't uh don't really want to talk about it or don't talk about it, but the NAR influence in, in Christianity and Western Christianity is huge along with the, you know, the Pentecostal influence, all those influences they're they're big. Um, they're definitely out there and, uh, accessible. They're out there. All right. So (laughs) here's your left field theology. (laughs) You worked (laughs) it in there. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So, but um, well, man, is there anything else that you wanted to kind of we we talked about quite a bit? Um, I went through looks like the majority of my points here. I think we've we've talked about a lot of stuff. So I mean, basically, just to wrap up, you know, just a word of encouragement, bro. For yeah, for the saints out there, you know, it's it is an unpopular thing to stand for biblical principles. Right. It is an unpopular thing to proclaim the name of Jesus in a world that will constantly tell you to shut up and keep it down. And I just want to encourage everybody listening, continue to stand, continue to stand. And when, when it gets to a place where you can't stand anymore than kneel, but, but never, never compromise the word on of, biblical the word truth, truth, the yeah. word, the word of God, biblical principles, the world needs it now more than ever. We're not in it for a popularity contest. We're not in it to be liked. Jesus said, you're going to be hated. You're going to be hated. And there's going to be a time where they're going to bring you, you know, he was talking, he was, he was saying this back way back when. So it was when you were going to be brought before the, the Kings and judges. the governors or whatever yeah. judges yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. It looks different today, but there will be a time where we will be brought before authority figures, whether it be at work, whether it be anywhere. And I want to encourage you guys to stand, stand firm, firmly. In order for you to stand firm, though, you have to be rooted in the word of God. Absolutely. You have to be rooted in Christ. And if you're, and if you're not rooted, then get rooted. This isn't your walk with God, your relationship with God. It doesn't come with time in itself. It comes with time spent in the word of God. Right. You can you can go to church for 15 years, be there religiously every Sunday, 
every Wednesday, make every Bible study. But if you don't spend time in the Word of God, there will be no growth. Stagnant. Stagnant. A lot of lot of, lot of that going on in the, in the church right now. A lot of a lot of people planted in the pew, never been out of the pew. Yeah, it's there's a lot of different things. <laughs> We've talked about that before in some other shows, but absolutely, man. Just we want to encourage you to to get in the Word and um, stay true to the Word. You know, don't compromise. It's not going to be the popular thing. And you know, you talked about being. Um, you know, persecuted or whatever. And I mean, being on social media these days, especially if you have a big following and you're popular or whatever, I mean, it can feel like you're being persecuted because once you get the, the, the horde of, (laughs) of people after you and, and somebody screams something and they all believe it. Oh yeah. They're all coming after you, but you, you have to stand fast. You have to stay true to the word no matter what they say, no matter what they mm-hmm. do. Um, because in the end, that's really what's going to matter. It's what's going to matter is what you did with the truth. Right. We live, we definitely, we live in the times where Paul talks about to Timothy and how we live in a world where people are following doctrines of demons, seducing spirits. Uh, and the last thing I want to read is Second Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> begin in verse one it says i charge you therefore before before god and the lord jesus christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Amen. And that, and that is for all Christians today in a world where not only do people reject the truth, but create their own truths. Yeah. Preach the word of God, stand on the word of God, fulfill your ministry, do the work of an evangelist. Amen. Good stuff, man. You want to close us out with a prayer? Yes, sir. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly father. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. and We praise you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you. And we praise you, Lord, for your faithfulness. And Father, I pray for the body, Lord. I pray that you would that you would stir in the in the hearts of your sons and daughters, that you would light a fire within our hearts, Lord, to share the word of God boldly and unapologetically, Lord. And I ask for more grace in the seasons of, of trials when the times come that we will be attacked for our faith. It's in those moments, Lord, that I pray and ask for more grace. Give us the ability to stand. Father, give us the boldness to never compromise on your word. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done, Lord, all that you're doing, and everything that you will do. 
And Father, we just praise you. We honor you. We're always careful to give you all the glory. You and you alone are worthy, Lord. And we say all these things and we ask all these things in the precious and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All glory to God. Amen. Well, that was another good show. I'm already looking forward yes, to the next one. <laughs> it's going to be good. I'm always, I'm always looking forward to it, bro. That's it. It's always good to sit and talk with you, brother. And and uh, guys, if you're out there listening, just uh, keep following us and keep sharing so that other people can can hear the truth. And we want to try and reach, reach as many people as we can. But we hope that this helps you in some way and has blessed you in some way. And and uh, most of all, we just hope that it guides you into the truth and, and keeps you in the truth. Stay in the word, just like Jose said. Stay in the word and, and be be uh, be truthful and and uh, don't compromise. That's that's the thing. So we really appreciate you guys sticking with us and listening. Jose, thanks, brother. I appreciate you, hey. man, as always. Yes, sir. Always a blessing and a privilege, my brother. All right, guys. Y'all have a good one. We'll see you next time on Heavy as a Crown podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Heavy is the Crown podcast. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hit the website at heavyisthecrownpodcast.com. Join us next time as we search for more truth and work to prepare you to advance the kingdom.